Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Celebrating the hope that the cross of Jesus Christ brings. And so just here um, for, for today, Palm Sunday, we're just going to be looking a little bit into the, the, the reason uh, around Easter and the reason why Jesus came to, to, to die on the cross for us. And, and just a little bit about the journey that he undertook or the journey that he took in the build-up to, to, um, to Easter and to dying on the cross. And, and so I want to read um, a section of Scripture just um, before we, we, um, we, we go in, into any more depth. And so it's Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. And it's going to come up on the screen. It says this. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to the Lord, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They bought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So we just, just pray, just bow our heads and pray before we uh, speak further on this. Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive. Uh, Lord, and we just pray today, uh, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and, and anoint the word as it's spoken, God, that you would speak to us, minister to us. We pray that our hearts will be ready to hear from you. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So for those of you that don't know, we've looked obviously at at the book of Matthew, but in the Bible, there are four Gospels. So Probably if you've been in church for a period of time, you know there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they basically all deal with the, the life of Jesus when he was here on earth. And if you, if you tally up the, all of the chapters uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, there's a total of 89 chapters across the four books. And, and some of the, the stories are repeated in both, but really the, the, diff, the reason why there's four different uh, books is that there's four different writers, and they all uh, were, were eyewitnesses of Jesus' life here on earth. And so they each write from their own unique perspective. And so it's very rich if you get an opportunity to read through all four of those and just to, to, to see the different takes uh, that the writers have on them. But interestingly enough, the, the 89 chapters uh, across the four Gospels, 29 of those chapters deal with the last week of Jesus' life. So that, if, you do, if you're any good at maths, you'll have calculated that's about one-third 
of all the gospel chapters and all the gospels deals with the last week of Jesus' life here on earth. So that's quite significant. In fact, if you read the gospel of John, actually half of the book is dedicated to the last week of Jesus' life. Now, if you um, pay attention and if you do the maths in your head, you're probably thinking, well, if so much time is dedicated to, to, to the last week in Jesus' life, it's clearly very important, isn't it? In fact, we, we do well to spend, you know, we, sometimes we come to Easter and we think, well, we're going to speak about it at Easter. But really, we should be speaking about it a whole lot more when you consider how much is written about these last, um, last weeks um, or the last week in Jesus' life. The other thing to mention is that although the, the four Gospels deal with different stories from different perspectives, not all of the stories are in all of the Gospels, um, this is one, the triumphal entry, or what we celebrate on Palm Sunday, what we've just read in Matthew, is, is one of the few events that all four Gospels record. So it, it's very important um, that we, we pay attention. And so easily we can, we, can, we can focus, yes, on the death of Jesus on the cross, and that's obviously important. But there's lessons to be learned from, from the triumphal entry as we know it. Um, that we remember on Palm Sunday. And so really in a, in a very simple way today, and I'm not going to bring a lot of points up on the, uh, on the screen at all, um, but in a very simple way, I just want to deal with a few lessons that we can learn out of this story um, uh, that we find in the Bible, out of the account that we find uh, about uh, Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry. And, and really... Um, the first thing that I just want to, to mention that, that really comes out from this story and I hope will be an encouragement to us today is this, that um, Jesus is, is more appealing than religion. You see, in that time, the, 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 it was the, the, the feast of the Passover and so people were gathered from outside of Jerusalem, from a certain radius of outside of Jerusalem, all gathered into Jerusalem for this build up to the feast of the Passover and it was packed. It was a religious ceremony, something that they'd done for many hundreds of years. Obviously, there was, there was great meaning in it because the Passover was remembering the liberation of the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt. And so, you know, God had done amazing miracles, brought them out of slavery, and they were remembering this. But, but somehow, down through the years, this, this festival had become just a religious festival, going through the motions. When Jesus came to earth, it was at a time of, of where, where the, the Jewish religion or the religion at that time was very, very hollow. It was just religious observance. And, and it's interesting that although the people were gathering, they were really gathering just out of habit to observe the law. It was really dead religion. But there was something different when Jesus came to town. And what's amazing in this story is that although everyone was gathered for the Passover, Jesus was so much more appealing that he, he was actually almost like a distraction from what was going on for the Passover. Jesus came to town and it says in the Bible, it says the whole city was captivated. Whatever version your Bible is, it may say it's captivated. It's, other versions say the city was in uproar. The city was stirred up. The point is that Jesus was in town and suddenly people were, were focused on the living Jesus rather than the hollow religion of the Passover. 
So much so that it says that the, in, in other parts, it says the crowd listened to him with great delight because there was something alive in Jesus more than just religion. You see, we say this a lot at Arena. Church is not about, we don't believe church is about religion. It's about relationship. Yeah? Do we believe that? It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, we can go through the motions, but when Jesus is there, he's so much more appealing than any type of religion, any type of external observance. When Jesus is in town, something special happens. He's so much more appealing than just religion. I love what um, uh, General William Booth said, who was the founder of the Salvation Army. And we we used to have a quote out the back um, from William Booth. Uh, as well. But he said, one of his other quotes was this, I like my religion like I like my tea, hot. I don't know if you've, who's, who's heard that, that quote before. A few of you have. Um, and basically what he's saying is, I don't want a cold, hollow religion. I don't want a lukewarm religion where we're just going through the motions. I want there to be some life in it. And of course, if, if there's things that we do out of relationship with Jesus Christ, if there's a living relationship with him, then it's a hot it's not lukewarm. It's not just religion. It's a living relationship. And, and so it's interesting to see how much of a hunger there was, uh, even in those days, for more than just the normal religious ritual. Um, as I said, it did create even a tension um, between Jesus and, and the leaders of the day. So Jesus was not popular with the religious leaders of the day because he was, he was offering something different to just the religion and the ritual. A hunger. You know that there's, there's a hunger today. Can I say that for us? Uh, because it's not just about looking at this just in a way of studying. It's about how we can apply it to today. Can I say for us today, here, yeah, Jesus is more appealing than religion. You know, we can go through the motions of church, but if Jesus is not here, it, there's no life. We're not going to see difference. People may say they don't have a hunger for Jesus, but they do. There's a spiritual hunger in people that we don't realize, but they've been put off by the religion surrounding church. You know that people are more hungry than ever for spirituality, and they seek out spirituality in other forms because they see the church as just boring religion. But of course, we know different. And, and so we do well to say when we gather here on a Sunday, it, we always include Jesus in it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the living relationship with Jesus rather than just ritual. You see, religion is outward. So it's about what you do, whereas relationship is an inward change in our hearts. Jesus even spoke to the Pharisees of the time and he said, you're like whitewashed tombs. He said, you're clean on the outside, you're white on the outside, but there's no change in your hearts. So, so Jesus is about changing the heart, changing from the inside out. Religion is about what you can't do. Jesus is about what you can do. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All things are permissible. Not everything's beneficial. It's about a change in the heart. It's about what we can do rather than what we can't do. Religion puts up barriers. Hello? So many things have been done in the name of religion. 
whether that's Christianity or, or other religions, it puts up barriers between people so that there's wars that have been fought over religion. There's people that have fallen out. Of, they say, don't talk about politics or religion because you'll fall out with somebody. It puts up barriers. It puts up walls. But we believe Jesus offers something different. He comes to tear down walls. Can I say, wherever you're at, you, you may walk in this building and, and not be a Christian. You, you may be of another religion. You're welcome here. We don't put up walls. You can come in here. If you're, you're a Buddhist, a Muslim, whatever, you can come in here. We don't want to put up walls. All are welcome. Jesus says it so clearly. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, whosoever believes in him can have everlasting life. You see, Jesus is more appealing than any religion we can offer. So much more appealing than any religion we can offer. You may say, well, we're good at that uh, arena. We don't, we're not really religious at that arena. So how does that play out for us? You know that anything that we do can so easily become a religious practice. You know, the fact that we have lights and we have a stage and, and, and we've got our logo and, and, and all of these things and the way we do things. Because we do like to be ordered and we like to do things in certain ways. But so easily that can become just religious ritual, going through the motions because that's what we do at Arena. We have teas and coffees at the beginning uh, or at the end. Um, and so, so the moment the teas and coffees aren't there, people go in uproar. But, you know, that's not... You know, it's okay as long as Jesus is here. So we can so easily get into a ritual. We can get into a ritual about the fact that we sing three songs. We have announcements. We, we then have a preaching. And, and that's a good system. And we don't want to just throw it out for the sake of throwing it out. But so easily that can be, a, be just a ritual and a religious thing that we go through. And then we frown upon any other way that you have church. But the reality is if Jesus is there, if he's meeting and he's, he's, he's impacting and changing lives, that's most important. We can mix things up if we want. The ingredient we can't do without is Jesus. Jesus is more appealing than any religion or any ritual or anything we do. You know, it's a, it's a relationship thing. And if you're married or I know I've, you know, come across many time, people in my time, happy marriages, not so happy marriages, um, but I've heard some stories about how people are married, fall in love, absolutely love each other, um, and then they have kids, and then somehow the relationship becomes quite functional, and people lose that first love that they had. And you know what? That can happen to any one of us. That could happen to me and Alini. I'm not standing up here in a right... If we let our relationship become just purely functional and, and not focus on each other, spend time with each other, uh, and, and, and cultivate the love that we have for each other, it's the same with Jesus. You see, your love will go cold if you don't spend time with them, if you don't cultivate that relationship. Like anything that's hot, if you leave it long enough, it goes cold if you don't do anything. That's the same for your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, our desire is to be a, a church that's appealing. Appealing to those that don't know Jesus. And the way we do that is, is not through, through lights. It's not through music. It's through Jesus Christ being a part of everything that we do. These things help. And, and they're good to, to, to obviously make church contemporary. But Jesus Christ 
is the most appealing thing. He's more appealing than any religion or any practice. And so that's the, the first thing that we, we learn from this, this story um, that we've read this morning. The, the next thing that I want to say is this, that the Word of God is more reliable than opinion. The Word of God is more reliable than opinion. You see, in the, in the time that, that Jesus was on earth, um, everyone had their different opinions of who he was. In another part of the Bible, um, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And their answer was, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're a prophet. We can probably take it as a given that in this, at that moment, when they were, they were putting the palm branches in front of the donkey as he was walking through and singing God's praises, that there were a lot of different opinions of who Jesus was. Some thought that he was a, a king who was coming to, to set them free from the Roman Empire, a, a physical king who was going to, to overthrow the political establishment. Whatever the opinions were, the Word of God is more reliable than any opinion. It quotes scripture in that it, where we've just read. It says this. It's a passage from Zechariah 9.9, which was written hundreds of years before this happened. And, and this is what we've read is a fulfillment of that prophecy. It says this. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, even the disciples didn't realize the significance of what Jesus was doing at the time. But it says that they later realized that this was the fulfillment of Scripture. This was the fulfillment of prophecy. You see, the Word of God is reliable, more so than any opinion. If people at this time had had their eyes on the, 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 pro, the prophetic uh, Scriptures that were written, if they had their eye on, 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 on the, the law and the prophets, they would have realized who Jesus was. But because there was, there was opinion flying around everywhere, because they weren't focused on what the Word of God had to say. Daniel 9, 26 and 27, um, we're not going to read it now, but basically says, it gives a timeline. It says the exact amount of days from the rebuilding of Jerusalem until such time as the Messiah would come and be, and, 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 and be killed. And so... The Word of God predicted everything so exactly, but people still missed it, missed it because they were relying on opinion rather than the Word of God. In just a few verses after what we've read, um, Jesus also prophesies over what is to come for Jerusalem. And he, he gives a prophecy over Jerusalem, which then came to pass after that as well. And so in the midst of this story, we've got a prophecy fulfilled and another prophecy given. And, and the, he's saying the word of God you can rely on. You can't rely on opinion, but you can rely on the word of God. It's a source of confidence. You see, your opinion <clears throat> doesn't really make a difference. The word of God makes a difference. You see, there was an opinion many years ago that the earth was flat. And at that same time, the word of God was the same as we have it today. There was an opinion at one time that it was okay for, for people to 
enslave other people to, to, to work for them without getting paid. You know, slavery was normal practice and it was seen to be okay. And here's the thing, that's changed. But the Word of God hasn't changed. You see, the Word of God endures from age to age. What was, what was prophetically uh, given many years ago is still true today. The Word of God doesn't change like the shifting tides and opinions in the world around us. Don't base your life on popular opinion. Base it on the Word of God. So Jesus is more appealing than religion. The Word of God is more reliable than opinion. But the other thing I want to say is that it's important for us from this, from this section of Scripture just to recognize Jesus for the King He is rather than the King the people desired. I'll say that again. Recognize Jesus for the King He is rather than the King the people desired. You see, in, 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 in this section, Jesus was being presented as a king, rode in on a donkey, showing his identity as a king. In those times, if a king rode in on a horse, it would be kind of riding in in a military way, in a sense, aggressive. Um, whereas when he came on a donkey, it was an, as, as a sign of peace, that he was coming offering peace. But Jesus was basically proclaiming himself the king. It's interesting, no other place in Scripture, usually when we read through the, the, the Gospels, Jesus is, is saying, I've done this miracle for you. Don't tell anyone. My time's not yet come. But now something changed. He's coming into Jerusalem in front of all the crowd, seated on a donkey, saying, I am the king. I am the king. Encouraging people in, in many ways to worship him. Because he was coming as a king, bringing peace. And so people did get excited. As I said, they were looking for a political deliverance. They were looking for somebody who was going to set them free from the, the Roman Empire and, and their bondage in that. And so people did get excited. Because there's something exciting about, about being free, isn't there? Something exciting in a political sense. And I mean, I experienced that when... Some of you know I, I grew up in South Africa and Namibia as well, and I was blessed to be a part of the Namibian independence celebrations in 1990. I was just a kid, and, and I was reflecting on this again this week because it's just been 28 years this week um, since Namibia got its independence. And, and as much as I'm South African, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of my kind of time in Namibia as well, and I remember the celebrations and the joy of, of this man, Sam Nyoma, and his liberation of the people to, to stand on their own two feet and be free again. And I almost got to experience that twice in my lifetime, uh, living in Scotland. Um, but the people of Scotland voted to stay as part of the UK. So I thought I was going to have to experience another Independence Day in Scotland, but it turned out different. And, and, and there's something powerful in that that where the people were really, in that sense, expecting a, a political deliverance. But here's the thing, that Jesus came as a different type of king. He didn't come as the king that the people desired. He came as a different type of king. You see, he, he came as, yes, king of kings, lord of lords, and, and one day he's going to return as a triumphant king um, on his horse, 
in, in, in a bold and in a, in, a, in a firm way. But when he came to earth, he came in humility, didn't he? He came in humility and he delivered his people from sin. He, he came as a very different type of king than people were expecting. Matthew 10, uh, 38 through 39 says this. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You see, on the day, uh, Palm Sunday as it were, there were crowds of people who are following Jesus, declaring him to be Lord and, and worshiping him. But then in the, in the week to come, suddenly that crowd thinned, didn't it? That all of those people that were worshiping, just a, just a handful were left. The disciples worshiped him and even they wavered, but they stuck through him. They stuck with him through everything that he went through. You see, most of the people didn't recognize Jesus for the king that he was. They were looking for some other type of king. But we do well to, to, to realize that Jesus is a king who comes in a humble way. He comes, it says, like we've read in Matthew 10, there's a, there's a taking up of our cross to follow him. There's a narrow path to follow him rather than a wide path. You see, the path was wide. Everyone was, was on it on that day, uh, on Palm Sunday. But then when things got tough, the path narrowed, didn't it? People desire a king who will better their lives. And although Jesus does do that, he also says that there's a price to pay for following him. There's a price to pay for following Jesus. He laid down his life for you. And he gave you what you needed, not what you wanted. He came, I suppose you can say, in an unorthodox way. Giving us the, the truth. Giving us the solution. Giving us the hope that we so needed.